Thank you for downloading Crises and Kings with Rabbi Michael Hatton, an exploration of the Book of Samuel. This series is a production of Produce North America in partnership with the Corn Podcast Network and is lovingly sponsored by the Newstein family in memory of Rabbi Dr. Joseph Newstein for his fourth yard site. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening. And now, Michael Hatton. Welcome back, everyone, to our Pardes podcast on Sefer Shemuel. This is Michael Hatton in Jerusalem. If you remember, last week we discussed the meeting, the final meeting between David and Shaul, where Shaul acknowledged the fact that David would succeed really in the presence of all of his followers. And David as well exposed Shaul's men and chief among them, Avner, his chief of staff, as being master manipulators who took advantage of a king stricken with psychological illness, who was manipulated into chasing down David at all costs. In any case, after their parting, David makes a conscious decision with his men to flee to Philistine territory under the leadership of Achish, the king of Gut. David flees, and there he remains as Achish's loyal follower, at least insofar as appearances are concerned. In reality, David will not attack his own people, the Israelites who live in the region of the Negev on the edge of Philistine territory, but he presents his attacks as if they are against his own people, thus convincing Achish of his loyalty. Chapter 28 begins with this being amplified. The Philistines once again mass their troops for battle, and Achish turns to David and says to him, Surely you know that when we go out to battle, you and your men will be fighting on our side. David answers very ambiguously in verse number two, Vayomer David el Achish, Lachain, therefore you will know what your servant will do, implying that he will in fact be a loyal follower of Achish, and that's how Achish interprets his words. But we do not actually know what David intends. Just keep in mind, that when that battle happens between the Philistines and the Israelites, the tide of the battle could very well be turned by David among the Philistine camp, turning against them suddenly to attack and overwhelm them. That could in fact be the way for Shaul to achieve an unlikely victory, but that will be the subject of a later chapter. In the meantime, Shaul is overawed by the prospect of battle against the Philistines. The text reports, we already knew, based on chapter 25, that Shemuel was dead and buried. In the meantime, Shaul had removed the Ovot and the Yidonim, the necromancers, the raisers of spirits from the land. This was, of course, in accordance with Devarim, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18. There the Torah tells us, when you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, 
you shall not learn to imitate the abhorrent practices of those nations. Let no one be found among you who consigns his son or daughter to the fire, who is an augur, a soothsayer, a diviner, a sorcerer, one who casts spells, one who consults ghosts or familiar spirits, or one who inquires of the dead. For anyone who does such things is abhorrent to the Lord. It is because of these abhorrent things that the Lord your God is dispossessing them before you. You must be wholehearted with the Lord your God. So in accordance with the provisions of the book of Devarim, Shaul, in fact, removes the Ovot and the Yidonim, those that trade in familiar spirits and pronounce fortunes and future events, he removes them from the land. In the meantime, the Philistines have massed at Shunem, which is more north and inland than they have ever been before, an indication that in fact they are putting pressure on Shaul's kingdom. Shaul and his men gather at Gilboa, and when Shaul sees the Philistine encampment arrayed against him, his heart trembles within him. He inquires of God, but God does not respond, neither through dreams, nor through the Urim, nor through the prophets. Effectively, Shaul is reaching out for answers. What does the future hold for me and for Israel? But God does not respond. Shaul turns to his servants, seek out for me Eshet Ba'alat Ov, a woman, a witch, who can speak to the spirits, and I will go to her and inquire of her. And in fact, they find that woman in Ain Dor. Shaul disguises his appearance, and he and his two men go to that woman under cover of darkness, and he asks of her, raise up the spirit that I will tell you to raise up. But the woman is reluctant to do so. Shaul the king has pronounced death on whomever engages in such practices. She doesn't know, seemingly, that it is in fact Shaul the king who stands before her. But Shaul swears an oath by God saying, you will not be held accountable. You will acquire no transgression through this deed. Who shall I raise up, she says. And Shaul says, raise up Shemuel. And when she sees Shemuel, she cries out in a great voice and says to Shaul, why did you mislead me and trick me? You are Shaul. But King Shaul now turns to her and says, do not fear, what have you seen? Apparently, in this kind of moment, the one who desires to inquire of a spirit, of a dead spirit, cannot see the person. The one who inquires cannot hear him. Shaul cannot see the ghost of Shimuel. Only she sees the, the Shemuel, Shemuel's ghost, and she turns to Shaul and she says to him, why did you trick me? She then describes the person to Shaul, and in fact, it's clear to Shaul that it is the spirit of Shemuel which stands before him, and he bows down before him. Shemuel now says to Shaul, why have you disturbed me to raise me up? And Shaul explains, I'm in dire straits. 
The Philistines are fighting against me. God has abandoned me. He refuses to answer through the prophets or through dreams. And I now call out to you to inquire of you. What shall I do? Shemuel says, why are you inquiring of me? God has abandoned you and become your enemy. He has fulfilled that which he said he would do to tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your friend, your fellow, David. And this is, of course, the first time that it is explicit in the text by the mouth of Shemuel himself, so to speak, that David will be king because you did not listen to the word of God and you did not carry out his anger against Amalek. Therefore, this has befallen you, says Shemuel. All of Israel will be given over to the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me, which is to say, in the netherworld. Shaul fell upon his face. His entire height crumbled to the ground. He had no strength, the text reports. He had not eaten bread all that day and that night. The woman sees how incredibly overwhelmed Shaul is. And she now insists that she prepare for him a meal so that he has the strength to return to the Israelite camp. Shaul initially refuses her overtures, but in the end, he relents. And she, in fact, prepares a calf and matzot for him. She offers it to him and to his servants, and they eat, and they return to the Israelite camp on that night. So Shaul, who was hoping for guidance from Shimuel, is in fact given a frightening vision. On the next day, the Israelites will be defeated and you and your sons will die in battle and will join me, says Shimuel. And all of this because you refused to listen to the word of God. When the commentaries came to consider this chapter, they were, of course, struck by the dramatic events. Are we to take them literally or are we not? And the commentaries divided into two main camps. On the one hand, there were those like Rashi following the earlier rabbinic tradition that saw the woman raising the spirit of Shemuel to actually having succeeded. Shemuel was raised from the dead. Shemuel did address Shaul exactly as the text reports. Now you might say the Torah forbids inquiry from necromancers and sorcerers. According to these interpreters, that is true. But it is not because the necromancers and the sorcerers do not have power. It is because it is the will of God that we leave the future to him and do not seek to wrest it through these impure means, especially since the necromancers and the spiritualists are not always correct or not entirely accurate. According to this line of interpretation, the meeting between Shemuel and Shaul actually took place as reported. There is an opposing school of thought. Call it the school of the rationalists, Maimonides, 
some of the Geonim who argue that in fact, necromancy, sorcery, fortune telling, all of it is complete and utter nonsense, which is why the Torah forbids it. Why waste our time attempting to ascertain the future through means which are a degradation of our reason and our intelligence? It's much better to put our faith in God. According to those interpreters, what occurs in our story is not to be taken literally. In fact, the woman who raises the spirit of Samuel from the dead does nothing of the sort. She is nothing more than a fake and a charlatan, as all necromancers are, but she is very intuitive and she certainly reads the newspapers. So when Shaul appears on her doorstep, ostensibly disguised, she immediately recognizes him as the king of Israel. After all, Shaul was reported to be a very tall and imposing figure. Who doesn't know already the tension that existed between Shaul and Shemuel? Who doesn't know already that David was Shaul's enemy? Who doesn't know already that Shaul was deeply afraid of fighting the Philistines? Who doesn't know already that his relationship with God was strained and that God had rejected him? According to this line of re reasoning, the only thing that the woman actually succeeds in doing is connecting the dots and then manipulating Shaul to actually believe that he was speaking to the spirit of Shemuel when in fact he was only speaking to his own haunted mind. She tells him what he must hear. She tells him what he already knows. There is no need to actually raise the spirit of Shemuel from the dead. So in this line of interpretation, the woman is nothing more than an intuitive and clever reader of the situation who immediately identifies Shaul and presents him with the list that has been gripping his mind from the moment that Shemuel died. I would like to suggest that in fact, chapter 28 is presented really on the eve of Shaul's death to provide the reader with a short and concise list of all of Shaul's greatest failures so that we know and we understand and appreciate why it is that he must die in battle against the Philistines. Yes, it is the case as the list indicated, that Shaul did not destroy Amalek in chapter 15, as we have discussed, and how he evaded responsibility in order to explain his own failure, one of his greatest failures. And of course, his relationship with David, his most loyal fighter, whom Shaul became jealous of and wanted to destroy, surely a great failure on his part to have devoted so much time and effort to capturing a man which would have been his most loyal follower. Failure number two, Amalek and David. 
Failure number three, of course, was Shaul's killing of the priests of Nov. Back in chapter 21, 22, recall how, how Shaul massacred the priests of Nov, believing them to be in league with David. A most ignoble crime. Although that particular moment is not spoken of explicitly in our chapter, chapter 28, it is alluded to. There is a reason why Shaul's channel with God has been abruptly terminated. Because there are no priests to inquire of God. There are no prophets willing to take that step. A sure recollection of Shaul's heinous crime of destroying Nov. There's also perhaps a, an allusion, a passing reference to Shaul's orders in chapter 14 to the people as they pursued the Philistines, let no one eat any bread until the evening. Pursue the Philistines at all costs, even weak and tired and hungry. And of course, this turned out to be a bad choice on Shaul's part, because when the Israelites finally came back from battle, they swooped down on the spoils and consumed the flesh of the animals that they captured with the blood in it, as we explained back in chapter 14. The allusion in our chapter to that misstep on Shaul's part was the fact that Shaul is described as falling to his face on the ground when he hears the word of the Baalat of, because he had not eaten bread all that day and all that night. An allusion to the sensitive reader that that, in fact, was also one of his failures. But the greatest of Shaul's failures, which first became apparent, early in his story, chapter 13 and 14 and 15, was Shaul's inability and unwillingness to submit to Shemuel's guidance. That was the cause of his undoing. And so here in chapter 28, Shaul now turns to Shemuel, seeking his guidance, really for the very first time in his kingship. But tragically, it is too late because Shemuel is already dead. And so the seeking of Shemuel's guidance through the agency, the impure agency of the witch who raises his spirit is, of course, the ultimate critique of Shaul's failure to follow Shemuel during the course of his reign. Now he turns to Shemuel for only one reason, he has no other option. What a tragic end to their relationship, amplified by the fact that Shemuel's message is one of death and destruction. Shaul will die, his sons will die, the Israelites will be defeated, and all of that, if we were to trace it, to one singular cause, because Shaul refused to submit to Shemuel's guidance and to Shemuel's word. And that would have made all the difference. So chapter 28 is presented to us to the reader as a summary 
of Shaul's greatest failures. But the framing of those failures is the greatest failure of all, his relationship with Shemuel, with the prophet of God, a relationship that could have led him to success, but instead led to his undoing. Next time we will see how the story develops before we encounter Shaul on the battlefield in the final battle, there will be a number of intermediate steps which will relate us back to David before we complete the first book of Samuel. Thank you again for listening to Crises and Kings with Rabbi Michael Hatton, a production of Parties North America in partnership with the Corn Podcast Network. If you liked what you just heard, please give a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.